It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, November 30th, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. 18 Sitkins have tested positive for the coronavirus since Friday. Of the 18 patients, 10 of them tested positive on Sunday, according to city data. Contact tracing is still in progress for those patients. As of 5 p.m. on Sunday evening, information on whether they were experiencing symptoms and how they likely contracted the virus was not yet available on the city's COVID-19 dashboard. Of the other eight patients who tested positive on Friday and Saturday, half were experiencing symptoms at the time of testing. At least six of those cases are tied to community spread. Since the start of the pandemic, Sitka has reported 206 coronavirus cases. As of Sunday, 32 of those cases are still considered active according to city data. Sitka's coronavirus risk level remains high. City officials continue to strongly encourage mask wearing and social distancing, indoor gatherings are discouraged, and the city recommends restaurants and bars reduce capacity and prioritize takeout and delivery service. Although a vaccine for the coronavirus could be ready sometime in December, it could be several months before it's available to the general public in Sitka and surrounding communities. The Sitka Unified Command met on Wednesday to continue discussing preparations for a vaccine rollout. Sitka, like many other communities across the country, will prioritize distributing the vaccine to healthcare workers. Distribution in Southeast presents significant challenges. Public health nurse Denise Ewing said getting the vaccine to remote communities would take a multi-pronged approach and, in some cases, a nurse and a float plane. If there's a community that search, that they can get access through search, then they're going to get through access through search. Some of our places um, that I'm the public health nurse for, such as, say, like Armstrong, I will probably be flying into Armstrong or Baker, um, some of the smaller ones like that that don't have access with search. Um, It's a joined um, effort in making sure that we have a good plan and then get to all the communities. EMS Captain Rob Janik is working on the local vaccine delivery plan. He said the first phase of the vaccine rollout will be distributed to the frontline healthcare and public safety workers. High-risk populations come next, then the general public, which Janik said could roll out by next March or April. Um, we're looking at end of first quarter, beginning second quarter of 2021, widespread availability and distribution to the entire population. The group also discussed plans to introduce a COVID-conscious business program, a city directory that will show which businesses are taking virus prevention measures like requiring masks. This comes shortly after the Assembly voted down a resolution that would have required bars and restaurants to limit capacity and require masks. Exploratory drilling is resuming at a long-shuttered Canadian gold mine about 40 miles east of Juneau. As Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, developers of the proposed New Polaris mine hope to one day use barges on the salmon-rich Taku River to supply their operation. The New Polaris gold mine lies in a roadless area in British Columbia, near the confluence of the Tulsaqua and Taku rivers, just a few miles upstream from the border. Canark Resources says it has received a permit from provincial regulators to resume exploratory work next spring. The Vancouver-based company's long-term vision for the British Columbia mine involves using the Taku River as its supply corridor, says Canark President Gary Biles. If we did build a mine, and that's some time in the future, there would be barging at that point uh, for bringing bulk supplies to the mine. And I would estimate probably around 100 large loads a year uh, coming in from uh, from Juneau. That's a big if. For now, equipment and crews will be flown in and out of Atlin, B.C. The new Polaris gold mine hasn't produced precious metal since the early 1950s, 
and previous attempts to restart mining in the 1990s fizzled after the company said it struggled to attract investors. But with gold fetching $1,500 an ounce, the company projects a productive gold mine could pay for itself in less than two years. Conservationists have raised concerns over proposals to ship freight on the Taku River. The salmon-rich waterway has shallow ridges, making barges a potentially dangerous way to move freight. And the new Polaris is near the Tulsoka Chief Mine, which has been leaching acidic runoff into the transboundary watershed for decades. The province recently scored a legal victory that tribes and conservationists say they hope could spur cleanup of the site. A recent cross-border water sampling study taken by Alaska and British Columbia regulators found higher concentrations of heavy metals downstream from the Tulsa Chief and New Polaris mine sites. But Alaska regulators say none of the Taku River samples exceeded the state's water quality standards on its side of the border. Drilling crews are slated to begin work at New Polaris in May. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. Next year's pink salmon catch in southeast Alaska could come in a little below average, although that would be an improvement following several years of weak returns. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game is forecasting a harvest of 28 million pinks in the region next summer. Andy Piston, the department's pink and chum salmon project leader for southeast, says that would still put the catch a little below the recent 10-year average. That forecast for 28 million um, harvest for 2021, that's actually for an odd year that's that's quite a bit below what we've seen in most recent years, with the exception of 2019. And in 2019, the parent year for for this year's, or for 2021's return, um, that was was the first um, year in a long time where we saw a really poor odd year harvest. Pink salmon spawn two years after they're born. Southeast has been in a cycle of weak returns for even years, but better numbers in odd years. This year's catch wound up at 8.1 million pinks, roughly the same harvest from two years ago. The region hasn't seen catches that low since 1976. Fish and Game's forecast is based in part on trawl surveys that catch young pinks headed to sea each year. Those are conducted in partnership with NOAA fisheries researchers in the northern panhandle. Piston notes that the forecasts for five of the past six years have overshot the actual catches. A university student from the northwest Arctic village of Norvik was just awarded the Rhodes Scholarship, one of the world's oldest and most prestigious academic awards. The award funds two to three years of academic study at Oxford University in the U.K., The Harvard senior, originally from the Alaska village with a population of a little over 600 people, was selected from thousands of students across the world. KOTZ's Wesley Early has more. In Norvik, everyone spends a lot of time at the Norvik Akalik School. Wilfred Kugaruk Sibel, whose parents were teachers, spent even more time there. My dad would teach me these big words, and I was two years old, um, wandering around the gym, asking people for assistance rather than for help. And people just got a kick out of that. And uh, that's the kind of thing that I think set me on the course I am on today. Though not a Nupiak, both Zabel and before him, his father, grew up in the village. His ties to the community run deep. He says he was encouraged by everyone in Norvik to develop a love of learning. Whenever they saw me walking around with a book, they would like hype me up a little bit and, and cheer me on. And that... Um, Uh, Being kind of a creature of attention the way I am, I think that positive reinforcement uh, really, really kind of 
had a Pavlovian effect, and now, I, now I'm just addicted to reading books. Zabel excelled as a student throughout high school, serving as a student member of the State Board of Education, as well as being part of the U.S. Senate Youth Program. He brought his love of reading to Harvard, where he studies comparative literature primarily between Yiddish and Inupiaq works. I look at um, specifically displacement and people losing land and the way that that is reflected in poetry. Zabel wanted to continue his studies of cultural displacement and the efforts to revitalize culture, which led him to apply for the Rhodes Scholarship. He says it was an arduous seven-month process, tasked with essays, letters of recommendation, securing a sponsorship from Harvard, and other scholastic work. It didn't help that Zabel was fighting COVID-19 when he started applying. By the end of the process, when he was selected as a finalist, Zabel figured he was a long shot and was prepared for the worst. And so when they actually said my name and said that I won, I was completely unprepared. I had no idea how to react. I just stared at the Zoom camera in complete shock. Zabel plans to study economic and social history while attending Oxford. He wants to tie all of his studies into helping support the culture of native communities, as well as cultures of any communities in the world displaced by colonialism. Connect, you know, Inupep revitalization work with Kalalit revitalization work in Greenland or Irish revitalization work in Ireland or, you know, because all, all of these fights are kind of the same work being done, the same fundamental um, struggle, for lack of a better word. Zabel says unlike some of his peers, many of whom come from well-to-do families, he owes everything to growing up in a tight-knit village. I've made it this far largely because of where I'm from and the people that raised me. Um, and no small, no, no shortage of blessings, of course. And so if it's my responsibility to make sure that by my success, I can help other people. And, you know, that's, if, if I can't do that, there's no point in me having gotten the success in the first place. Zabel says the only uncertainty in his next steps will be if the pandemic forces him to learn remotely or if he can pack his bags for Europe. Reporting in Kotzebue, I'm Wesley Early. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention increased the severity of its warning against cruise ship travel. The Level 4 warning is the agency's strongest recommendation against cruise travel. It means there is a, quote, very high level of COVID-19 aboard cruise ships and that all people should avoid cruise travel worldwide. The increase comes a month after the CDC lifted its seven-month ban on cruise ship travel and released its plan for the industry to resume safely. The cruise industry creates tens of thousands of jobs in Alaska and was anticipated to generate hundreds of millions of dollars in spending to the state this year. Cruising has been suspended since mid-March. The closure of Canada's ports is among the reasons Alaska's cruise season was canceled this year. This closure will remain in effect until at least February. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.